What's up, everybody? Welcome back in to another uh, post-game podcast on the Blue Jay Beat. Um, after uh, Creighton's 97-79 win over St. John's at home, we're going to break down everything for you. Uh, Jay's a little bit shorthanded today, but they still got the job done. Looked pretty spectacular doing it somehow. Um, today uh, on the podcast, I'm joined by Olivia Elger, former Blue Jay baller. Um a bucket extraordinaire, and now she's going to put on her analyst hat and let us know what she saw today from the Jays. Um, so I guess, first of all, Liv, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. How's everything going with the, uh, I guess, retirement life? How's retirement doing? It's good. My body really appreciates it. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> <laughs> it does, but it's fun just, you know, I think when you're playing, you're always kind of watching from a different view, and now it's just being a fan, it's it's enjoyable. Have you still uh, had the urge to, like, find a gym and give people buckets every now and then? No. I no? played a little bit this summer with where my high school. Okay. Um, I was over there a little bit, I played, but since then, I, I don't think I've picked up a ball since august at least okay so you definitely listen to the body more than you listen to it in college then right <laughs> yes i'm learning nice um well i guess you know what were your uh impressions of today's game obviously learning last second that marcus wasn't going to play was probably not what everybody was expecting so did that change what you were looking for and um i guess I what mean, were your early impressions of how the the start creighton got off to with sharif mitchell running yeah. the show as opposed to marcus I think anytime you go down someone like Marcus and especially your point guard, you're looking how a team starts the game and Sharif starting the game with that three pointer. I think that was big. And then the intensity he brings defensively, I thought that really set a tone and they've locked in and they got off to a great start, which I think really helped them. Um, yeah. But there were a lot of people who stepped up. It was a great game. Yeah. I mean, that's, it was kind of crazy to see, the balance they had in the first half. I mean, yeah. they didn't get, you know, they scored, I think 56 points in the first half. If I'm remembering correctly. And uh, they didn't get anybody in double figures until like the last 30 seconds. That's insane. Right. Like yeah. that's how do it you was. defend that? Right. It was like Mitch hit a few threes back to back. And then Alex O'Connell hit a few and it's like, where, who, there is no weak link out there offensively. Like, I right. don't know how you guard it. That's what I was thinking at halftime. I was wondering, like, what do you what do you tell your team? Even if you're, like, a, a player, like, what do you tell – what do you try to rally – how do you rally the troops around? Yeah. Um, like, here's who we got we to slow this person down. We got to do better in this ball screen coverage. It just didn't matter. Like, everything, all their rotations were compromised. Right. Um, the minute yeah. they fell for one shot fake, it was like you're you're basically hoping they miss at that point, wasn't it? Right. Yeah, I think they just I mean, St. John's is St. John's, they tried to force turnovers. So when they're would they have three turnovers or something? Yeah, in the first the half. First, yeah. Yeah, first half. Yeah. And so St. John's not having those turnovers and then even the offensive rebounds, they had a few big ones and it felt like even when St. John's did get a deflection, it went straight to Creighton and they ended up scoring off of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was crazy. I, I, I don't I don't even know how to describe it because I felt like with Marcus, they would definitely not be as sharp offensively and it would settle into more of a, a grinder type of game because, you know, Creighton's been better on the defensive end uh, this year. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you maybe could make the argument based on the metrics that it might be 
their best defensive team under Greg McDermott. And then without having Marcus, I wonder what kind of game, it, who, who would be able to control the game? Like St. John's is obviously really good at, like you said, uh, turning teams over and, and kind of creating spurtability through chaos, really. It's not really mm-hmm. through anything they do from a structure standpoint. Um, they actually, I mean, honestly, it's more like they'd like to destroy the structure and that's the game they're comfortable in, right? Right, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it was interesting to see who how Creighton would control the game without a point guard of that level, right? Because um, from a point guard standpoint, how hard is it to control the pace of the game to your team's liking? It doesn't matter if it's fast, slow. It's not necessarily about speed, but it's about just like the pace at which you're operating most of the time mm-hmm. and, and the ability to slow a game down when it's too sped up or speed a game down when it's too slowed down, like, how does, a, how does a point guard, someone in Sharif's position today, go about controlling a game um, when it's maybe not a role he's had a lot of repetitions at? Right. I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to a feel for the game, and Sharif's done a great job with that. You can tell he's just a baller. Um, I mean, Creighton, obviously, they like to get out and run offensively, so to get off to that fast start, I think, really help people set it, settle in. Mm-hmm. And then to have someone like Mitch there to just kind of – do whatever you need and you know he's there you know he's reliable he can hit a ridiculous three but he also had some great passes and gets other people involved too so I think it really they did a good job of like not having it just be on Sharif but really just playing together yeah that's I mean that's a great point I mean Mitch is one of Mitch is things like coming out of high school and watching him in summer league felt like all of his kind of his what he was known for was his shooting but it felt like He's got a knack for just, you know, good decisions, high IQ, playmaking type of deal. Um, mm-hmm. And then you saw, like, you saw that today when he was a little bit more aggressive. I, I, I'm sure he was cognizant of the fact that um, Sharif doesn't have as much experience at the one. Marcus is out, so he probably has to be a little bit more aggressive in his decision making as opposed to just drawing attention and opening things up for guys. So you saw like those shot fakes, that dribble sidestep, uh, pulling mm-hmm. a help defender away and setting somebody else up. I think he hit Denzel for a three in the corner. I think yeah. he hit Alex for a three in the corner. Just with yeah. some simple little shot fake extra. I mean, you're like the shot fake master in terms of manipulating defenders, so you probably can speak to that. But, uh, you know, just like you said, the feel. Yeah. What, what's what's Mitch's feel like when it when you see him out there um he's being a little more aggressive you feel like he's already knocked down a shot so you have to be super aware of him but right. then he's, he's always cognizant of the fact that um if he's hit one he can kind of get you going off of a shot fake and and find a teammate that's open next to him yeah he reads the defense really well because with his reputation as a shooter and his ability to make those shots they have to close out on him so hard and be extra aggressive right there and mm-hmm. he just uses that to his advantage you know those little fakes and that penetration he does get like it opens up a lot more not just for him but for others because they have to be so aggressive on him how do you learn that or like how do you develop that is it is it i mean you said it's a feel thing but does that come with just game reps or do you do you just is it just a natural ability or how, how do you learn to manipulate a defense through just subtle little movements like that he knows in his mind and for a lot of shooters you know that that's the scouting report you're a shooter they're closing out hard on you and so you kind of use that to your ability like you see Steph Curry do it all the time and obviously he has the handle and way more ability than any of us but 
just the way he he's six foot three and he has these seven footers guarding him, you know, it's like you kind of use what they how they have to guard you against them, you know, mm-hmm. so it kind of allows you to be that one step ahead. Do you ever have you, did you ever in, in, you know, in your games, did you ever read leverage with a defender? Like if you had a closeout, um, let's say, you know, you're a lefty shooter. So if they're closing out, um, maybe left side heavy. Uh, yeah. You know, do you shock fake right right a little bit, or do you? I mean, how do, how do you read that based on how a defender's coming at you? Is it possible to do that? Oh, definitely, yeah. And you see throughout games, like you'll catch different things happening, like oh, they did this, or you know, you kind of get a feel when, especially if you have the same person guarding you throughout a game. It's like mm. it's almost a little bit of a mind game and a mind game, like seeing how they react to something to set up something later on. You okay, know? yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess. Uh, I'm trying to think there were, there were a couple of examples where, I mean, even one, I think he kind of, I mean, there was one where he should have shot it and he maybe waited uh-huh. too long, but it's funny because I think he, I think he does get, like you said, a feel for how a certain person is defending him really quickly in a game. And mm-hmm. he knows which direction to, to, he knows which direction he'll have his outlet once he makes that manipulative move. Like if he doesn't yeah. have space to let it go, um, he can use the shot fake and he knows which direction he's going with the ball before almost before the defender makes the mistake of overplaying the shot really you know it just seems like he understands he, oh, yeah. he sees the game maybe two or ticks two or two or three ticks ahead of time and yeah. by the time you're, the defender's off his feet he already knows where the ball's supposed to go at that point Right. I mean, it takes a few minutes of watching Mitch to know he is a very intelligent basketball player. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I honestly kind of felt bad for St. John's at some point because, I mean, I think I called their defense a mess in the first half. But at, at the same time, the way Creighton was moving the ball, it was almost unfair. Like they weren't there's only so much a rotation, a defensive rotation can do when the ball is popping like that. Mm-hmm. And I think. um you obviously know what ball movement can do for an offense, uh, but just how hard is it from a defensive perspective to when you're already caught in rotation after an aggressive closeout and you kind of know, all right, we're kind of in cover up mode here because this defender started out of position. Now they're swinging and there's ball reversals and we're all kind of caught in rotation and we have to catch up here at the end of it. Otherwise we're going to give up an open look, but how hard is it when the ball is, moving at that pace because everybody kind of has a really good like feel for each other and where their strengths are how hard is it for a defense to to catch up and to force a tough contest when you're caught in rotation against an offense that moves like that yeah well two things first off you're trying to follow a scouting report so maybe there there is someone who you're willing to give that three up or you'd rather him than the other person but when you're moving in rotation that fast it's like hard to recognize who's who and make that right decision Mm -hmm. that's the first part of it and then Creighton makes it twice as hard because no matter who you give the three up to though or the open look up to they can all hit it you know they're all good shooters so yeah you do kind of feel bad for St. John's because at that point they're just praying for a miss yeah you're kind of at the mercy of the make shot miss shot (laughs) mantra right like yeah like look we're trying we're trying to catch up but and the ball's the ball moves faster than people, right? So, if you, at some point, we're at the mercy of basically the shot going in or not, and then we have to find bodies and box out. Uh, yeah. That was the other part of it too, right? I think you brought that up. Offensive rebounds. Yeah. Uh, Peyton was able to. It, well, they weren't conventional offensive rebounds, right? They were. 
they were like pokes and mm-hmm. the ball they was kind of free down. a little yeah. bit and they chased it down like it was they were a weird kind of offensive board seems like they got all the loose balls um mm-hmm. yeah christian does a really good job of sometimes getting those uh tip outs and so does ryan when he comes in both of them are just their development has been very impressive yeah for sure i mean christian definitely when you especially because we have a year a year to year to year um <laughs> like baseline for him um but i mean i think it was the first possession of the game where he's kind of getting boxed out to the baseline right like baseline yeah. corner area and he tips it out and i think it, who uh that's how sharif got the open three right um so yeah, it's just like his, his ability to keep a ball alive, even that is as an undersized five against most uh, most yeah. Big East teams. Like, you know, he's just able to stick a hand in there and keep it alive, and then Creighton just uses that scrappiness from the from the wings and guards to just fight the ball out of there and keep it alive for an offensive possession. Yeah, that, those are big. You know, anytime you can, when you're shooting as well as they are, and then you're also getting second chance opportunities, it's Hard to guard for sure, and you, that's how you put up as many points as they did. Yeah. I mean, that Fox score in the first half, I just don't know if I've seen anything like that. I mean, you've got yeah. so much. I mean, there were – I mean, you got, like, guys with five points, four points, three points, six points, seven points, and you add it all up, and that's how you get to 56. But it's like they have that many guys who can fill it up, basically. Like, any one of those – anyone today could have gotten 20. Like, Ryan right. had and easy looks. Had- and then you had the opposite. St. John's had like half their points coming from their one yeah, player. One dude. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, I guess we know how to key in on here for Creighton. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, no, uh, that was their first half was impressive, especially given the circumstances of Marcus being a last minute scratch. And yeah, I think it really just it, you kind of saw how like they weren't a young team today. Like everyone knew what they needed to do and stepped up and it kind of gave some people more of an opportunity, which they took advantage of. So for sure. I think, uh, you know, the more I watch them start to clink, click a little bit offensively and with the strides they've made defensively, like I just, I feel like I'm getting like a little bit of a 2018 Villanova vibe from them. And obviously that's one of the best teams like in recent memory, but you know, what they did in the NCAA tournament, just crushing teams was crazy. So I don't know if that's unfair to say that Creighton reminds me of that, but I mean, maybe not no, from a talent. Yeah, but maybe not from a talent standpoint too, because I think they had four, what, four first rounders basically, or four draft picks <laughs> on that roster. Like, so Creighton doesn't have that, but it just it feels like from a continuity standpoint, I guess is the way yeah, I'm and describing the roles, it. Like they all fit in very well together and know how to play together, which yeah. is a really big part of it. Like, I think that was the biggest example. Like that first half was, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that felt like 2018 Villanova. Cause when they got on, there was nothing you could do. So we just talked about how there's only so much yeah. St. John's can do when that many players are on the floor who can score. That felt like that Villanova team, because there was only so much you could do defensively from a scouting report standpoint, you could check all the boxes and still get scored on. That's how good that yeah. Villanova team was. It felt like that's what we were watching today. Yeah. And obviously St. John's, I mean, they're having a okay year, but you want to see them create and be able to replicate that going forward and be that every game. Mm-hmm. Build off that. With the uh, switching gears to defense a little bit, when you look at, I mean, St. John's had 79 points. They hit eight threes, uh, 14 offensive boards. So first shot defense was pretty good still. 
mm-hmm. but they had some second opportunities. But I mean, Champagne goes for 33 mm-hmm. on 21 shots. So that's pretty efficient. How, how, I guess, how do you assess the defensive performance today? Because it's a little bit of a chaotic game. You don't have your point guard, so it's, it's hard to control it. Um, yeah. But it just felt like at times when it felt like Creighton was making it tough for St. John's, even though St. John's was scoring, I guess is the way I'm trying to say it. Like Champagne yeah. was hitting tough contested shots. Mahoney was there on the catch a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they were taking mid-range jumpers, which is something that Creighton kind of wants teams to do. They'd rather live with you in that mid-range area. But so St. John's, like, I think they hit their first six shots, but like three or four of them were all mid-range jumpers, which is. Like you live with that. Yeah. Creighton's yeah. like, fine, go ahead and take those all day. Yeah, you just gotta take your scattering report and what you wanted that to ha- want want to happen. So like those mid range shots, and you, you know you kind of tip your hat to them at that point and say that's what we want. They made those tough shots. You know they started off shooting hot. Um, obviously, um, Champagne. I think he started off ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, you'd like to be able to do something to disrupt him a little bit, but. I also think that 79 points is a little inflated just because they had that little section there in the second half where they kind of took their foot off the gas and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, let them back in it a little bit. But overall, I think you just kind of go with the scouting report, um, make people do something that isn't what they want to do, like isn't their first option, isn't their second option. And if they beat you that way, then you live with it. You can't stop everything. But yeah. I think Creighton did a good job of that today. And when a player like uh... – like Champagne is going off, like, how do you feel as a defense? Like, are you like, all right, well, as long as we make his looks tough, you know, mm-hmm. he's going to get what he's going to get. Um, but do you just try to focus on scouting report at that point and live with results? Or do you throw I mean, different things at him if he's starting to heat up a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I think that also comes with how the game's going with the lead they had. I don't think it was as big of a deal. You can take the approach of we're going to throw doubles at him. We're going to change up this coverage. You know, you can do that. Or you can just say, hey, this one guy's not going to beat us. Let's let him get his and just shut down everyone else. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's kind of what Creighton did today. They said, okay, he can have his 33 points. I don't think they want to give that many up to anyone. But it wasn't he wasn't going to beat them single handedly. So, yeah, I guess you live with it. Yeah, because I don't remember. I don't know if I remember any um maybe major defensive adjustments I think they all I mean those first couple that he hit I felt like again I thought Denzel was in the right spot for it you know so I think that's just something where you go back to the huddle and say look keep it up because that's what we that's how we want you to defend him Mm -hmm. um and if he's gonna bang those in with you with a hand in his face there's nothing more we're gonna ask from you essentially so there's not really a whole lot of adjusting to do it's just keep it up essentially make it right. tough yeah and he, make it, it tough for him he was getting easy looks you know yeah no i didn't think he was at all um yeah uh this is uh i guess two games in the books against st john's this year and i think they're at 26 turnovers in two games so that's 13 per maybe a little high for where Creighton wants it, I guess. But considering the opponent, St. John's does that to teams. I think they came in averaging 18 takeaways per game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So not having Marcus um, and then to have like a 24 to 12 assisted turnover ratio and through two games against a high-pressure defense, it's 47 to 26, if I'm doing the math right, in the assisted turnover department. Um, Did you see anything from a ball security standpoint? 
that Creighton was able to do to neutralize the pressure and take advantage of it? Or was it just about keeping the ball movement and keeping the ball moving and not letting uh, St. John's trap ball handlers in, in, uh, in bad spots on the court? Yeah, I think it was a combination of the two. Um, I think they did a really good job, especially in the first half. Three turnovers, was it? Yep. Um, and a team like St. John's, it's like they play so chaotically that that's even a word. But um, <laughs> if <count> you, <laughs> yeah, when they when they have success at first, it only ramps up that pressure and it only like gets worse. Yeah, so it like snowballs on you, right? When you have yeah. one, two, three, then it's like the garbage get out of control. Yeah. Yeah. So being able to have that ball security in the first half and just take care of it and they did move it well. And, you know, there were at times uh, the announcer was like, oh, I think Mitch might be the point guard with this group, you know, not having Marcus. It was kind of a point guard by committee at times. And they did a great job moving the ball and relying on each other. Yeah. I'm glad you noticed that too. Cause I kind of wanted to talk about it. Um, it did seem like different guys were initiating offense, right? Like it wasn't always, <laughs> It wasn't always Sharif coming up. It was sometimes no, Mitch brought yeah. it up, sometimes yeah. Del, sometimes DJ. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, when a team pressures like that, that, that's kind of what you want to go towards is go okay. to, they have really good on-ball defenders. So go to the weaker on-ball defender, just get the ball up the court and get into what we want to. And mm. yeah. That makes sense. Um, just, but again, it's like a, it's, it's just essentially like a, a, a plethora of riches or whatever, just having, yeah, you know you can move Sharif off because maybe you know Posh Alexander is their big time bulldog defender, right? Mm-hmm. So if if Sharif has Posh on him, you can re- you can as a pressure release, you can either um, kick the ball up quick if you're Sharif, find your outlet defender along the along the sideline either way, yeah, or you can just use him as kind of like a decoy in the backcourt, like make sure you know have Posh on him but kick it to that side outlet and let, you know, like you said, Mitch, Denzel, DJ, let yeah. them bring the ball up. And I mean, if you don't have to deal with him, like his on-ball defense, and you, like, why take that risk of, you know, he averages yeah. probably a few steals a game, gets a few, you know, mm-hmm. which you have options, so why mess I mean, with it? <laughs> I thought that was one thing they did pretty well last year in those games, like, you know, it's not necessarily giving Marcus a breather on the court. It's just like you have other ball handlers. So why make Marcus bring it up against pressure for 35 minutes a game, right? Like if Tyshawn can bring it up, let Tyshawn bring it up. If Mitch can let Mitch do it. And it felt like that was the game plan again today. You know, let's not put all of this on Sharif to get us up here and get us into our stuff as quickly as possible. So we can play at the pace we want to play at, you know, read the defense if he's getting heated up pretty good, um, you know, use that pressure release and let him get up there and get into the offense as quick as he can, but let have someone else bring the ball up against maybe lighter pressure because Johns is like, you know, kind of shading it towards the primary ball handler in their mind. Yeah. We obviously all, all those games against DePaul have kind of went towards that as well. It's just, it makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, with Timmy, Jade, you, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Carly Tatum. last year did a great job with it. Yeah, absolutely. Just you know, yeah. switching things up, give them a different look. Maybe they're not planning on pressuring that type of player. So if mm-hmm. it's in that, if it's in their hands, it's kind of like a take. It's kind of a gimme at that point. You can just bring it up, and you're into your offense, and their pressure was kind of neutralized. Exactly. Yeah, that's pretty smart. I just think they're just such a smart team. Yeah, all together. He's a great. He's done a great job with this group, mm-hmm. especially. 
Um, Alex O'Connell had a breakout game today. Uh, 16 points in six minutes, six of seven from the field, hit four threes, which he's coming off a year where he shot 27% from the from the three-point line. Yeah. And that was kind of the question, like, can this offseason be used for Alex or this not his offseason, this uh, this freebie year, right, like where he's going to redshirt and develop and then have a senior year to play? Can it be – can Creighton get his mojo back? Because he's a better shooter than 27%, right? Yeah. So how much confidence can he build up in that development year at CU uh, to get his shot back and feel comfortable in a game? I don't think – I expected maybe he would come in and have a game where he would knock down a couple – I don't think I was expecting four for five. I don't know what you were thinking, but like if you're coming off 27% and you really haven't played with that first rotation a lot and your game reps are light, um, I four for five was crazy to me today. I mean, he looked like he was, was, he looked like he was a confident player out there. Great spot to do it at. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. It was out. I think he knew coming to Creighton, he better get in the gym and be able to shoot because that's what. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. I think. When he got eligible, the year was probably they were probably thinking in their mind like, all right, he can he can give us something defensively. He can rebound really well for his position, probably better than yeah. anyone on the team, maybe aside from DJ. Um, and then whatever they get offensively from him is almost gravy, right? You're not expecting. Exactly. I mean, he's like a seventh option offensively at this point if he comes in right now. Yeah. That, so that's whatever he gives you, but today is like he took over for that stretch. Like he had a. <laughs> You know, he had a good finish at the rim. He was cashing corners. That was a threes. nice finish, the reverse. Yeah, right? That's that's That was nice. That's incredible athleticism right there. Yeah. That up and under. And it was good. It was good for – he was one of those guys where because Marcus was out, he had a bigger opportunity, and mm-hmm. that was great for him. Hopefully it gets his confidence up and he can do the same going forward. Yeah, it's just crazy when you look at how it sets up like that where – you know, Creighton won by 19, won by 18. So someone had to step up without Marcus. Alex gets 16 of that 18 point difference right there. When you're <laughs> probably not expecting him to score all the time. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, if you just boil it down to trying to find the reasons they won the game, I mean, that big stretch that Alex had to help him separate the lead where he was banging threes and stuff. Yeah. Uh, that could be pointed to as a major reason that Creighton was able to, to, you know, get the game, get comfortable in the game without Marcus. Cause who knows what happens if they struggle to start start the game and St. John's starts to get into a good rhythm with champagne going off and maybe they create a few turnovers and yeah. what's Creighton's at what's Creighton, what's Creighton's attitude without their leader, right? Like how yeah. does that how do they react? Would have looked a lot different and yeah, and once you get going and you get comfortable, it's a lot easier to hit those shots when you're in the flow and you're you know. Mm-hmm. So I think honestly the start Creighton had to even with Champagne getting those buckets to get good looks, start moving the ball to play together like that. And then he came in. It wasn't like he was hitting ridiculous shots either. Right. It was their offense that got him the good looks and everyone playing together and moving the ball and playing off of each other. Well, it's a little bit like the like the DePaul game last year for you guys where you went off. You know, you have Jalen out um, yes. and they get off to the big lead. But you didn't really break character to get back in that game, right? You just oh. you just kind of took it every possession, like get a stop here, you know, execute some good offense there, you know, yeah. just you know, let the game play itself out and just go possession by possession. Um, but it did seem like everybody stepped up 
into the void. Like Jalen's out, so we know where we're, what we're missing at this spot. Let's yeah. fill it with this, and then um, everything else falls down into these positions. Our experienced players step up and and kind of lead the way a little bit, and that's kind of what what that game played out, right? Like you played well, Tammy played well, uh, Carly yeah. played well. So like even though it starts snowballed on you guys early, there was no panic, and then everybody again was ready to step up without Jalen. Um, right. And then they just rode the live wave all the way to the dub at that point. <laughs> I mean, I think sometimes it turns into like when you have a superstar like Marcus or like Jalen, you, you, you always, I, we talked about this last year. You always feel like you have a chance, you know, mm-hmm. because you know, they can just take over, but there's also that like fine line of sometimes you become a little too reliant on that. For sure. And so it kind of not having that lights a fire under you like okay we can't do this we got to be on point we got to do things right you know kind of makes mm-hmm. everyone step up no you can't be complacent you can't take a possession off and let your superstar do work you have to right. be really <laughs> sharp yeah your focus almost your focus almost intensifies right without without the yeah. superstar yeah Definitely. uh what's your read on damian jefferson i don't know how much you've uh had time to watch them this year in totality but like i mean He's incredible, yeah. Right? Is he not playing like the like the dude right now? Yeah. I mean, it's almost like I think injuries, I'm, I know he struggled with those over the past few years. And so just that confidence to be able to be on the court and not be hampered by something mm-hmm. is probably big for him. But then also to just go from being that kind of like glue guy who does everything to now he gets some looks. He's still that glue guy. He does a little bit of everything. Yeah. But – they were saying today they don't run any sets for him and he still manages to get 12 points a game, something like that. Mm-hmm. That's just have the talent they have. And then with Marcus and the depth they have, and then just have Damien on top of that. It's he's been awesome. He's fun to watch. Yeah. I think, I mean, today, the first, the first, uh, that first offensive rebound he had where he just kind of skied over everybody, grabbed it one-handed. So athletic, yeah. Yeah, and he went right back down to the floor and then right back up over taller defenders and finished it, like, basically without a tough contest. It looked like it was yeah. him. Like, one of those, like, you just, like, get the hell out of my way. I got, like, you're not stopping me here. I mean, no. he makes and those types of plays. Right. Yeah, he's so athletic, and he's, it, that's what makes – he's so fluid in everything he does. He reminds me of like I've I think I've said this a couple times. I don't know if I've said it on a podcast yet, but he reminds me of like Golden State's Iggy. Yes, exactly. Like remember when Golden State was like on a roll, right? Like mm-hmm. and Iggy was just like, all right, he got a stop there. He had a corner three there. He got an offensive board here. You don't notice it like as it's like happening. And then you look yeah, down at the stat sheet sure. and you're like, oh wow, this thing, this dude's adding up quite a box score here. Like, yeah. Not the superstar, it, but he does everything. Yeah, whatever you need. it feels like he's their Iggy. Like he's yeah. he's Creighton's Iggy. That's a great comparison. Um, I think like it's tough too because what <laughs> people asked this last time, last game too, and I and I actually we were talking about it in our in one of our text threads. Uh, is he like the kind of guy at the level he's playing at right now? Mm-hmm. is he the kind of guy that belongs in the player of the year conversation for Big East player of the year, but never will get into it? Like, cause he's not a superstar. Right. And he right. wasn't on any, all the preseason teams, which are, they kind of kind of become self-fulfilling prophecies at some point. You, mm-hmm. you're like a stud, you're on the you're top on the scouting report. 
And then at the end of the year, all the coaches think you're still a stud, so they vote for you. Right. Like, is Damian Jefferson the guy who deserves to be in that conversation who will probably never see his name in it, unfortunately? I would say, yeah. I Everything he does, like, what more could you want from someone who's, like, a player of the year? I mean, maybe statistically he might not have the stats. Right. But in terms of his importance to Creighton and the success Creighton has, it's like, who do they go to to tie up a game at the end? Yep, right. Against UConn? Yeah, right. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. And I don't know what his field goal percentage ended up being against the, what was it, the last two or three times they played St. John's. But Oh, he's missed, he's missed, like, he's missed like five shots. Ridiculous. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, to me, I don't know how you say that's not deserving, but you're probably right, yeah. I just think that's the way it's done. Like, once you're a, once you're a star – they yeah. pretty much give you the star treatment, and that come, that includes the accolades. Like DJ does all the dirty work, right? He does all the. He's gonna grab an offensive rebound when four guys are back. He's gonna he's gonna get in the paint, set his feet, and you know find a little drop off for an easy dunk or a lay in that doesn't like wow you on a highlight reel. Mm-hmm. But it adds up in the end. I mean, what do you end up yeah. with? What's his line? Eleven points, four rebounds, four assists, one turnover. He yep. was he was plus thirteen in thirty minutes. He meant he was five and nine from the field. I mean that stuff adds up, right? Like four yeah. dimes, four boards, eleven points. If you're getting yeah. that out of your, I mean, definitely a most improved or you know, yeah, yeah, he deserves some recognition for. Yeah, he's been great this year, and yeah. I honestly think I don't even know if for him it's been as much. I'm sure he's developed, but. I think he's always had this ability. It's just having the confidence and not being injured finally. Yeah, I think there's definitely two. You're definitely right. I think it's two things because I you could see it in that development year. And you guys run into each other in the championship center, so you see the work they put in. Um, so you guys had already obviously seen what he was like from freshman year coming in from New Mexico, using that development year. Yeah. He was really introverted. Like he wasn't, he did, he felt kind of like a lost personality on that team. And then mm-hmm. I think he got, he did, he had an ankle injury that he had to go into a boot. Um, yeah. So he was missing practice and he wasn't even playing. So it's not like he, it was his red shirt year and he wasn't practicing. He hadn't really developed any relationships with the guys. So he didn't, he wasn't feeling super comfortable with them. And I think there was a point where, he might've felt like leaving because he didn't feel like it was a good place. Like he just wasn't right mentally Mm -hmm. because of, you know, being new, being hurt yeah, um, and just not really fitting in well. And then, you know, there was a conversation with Mac at around Christmas time and it, it, you know, there was, it was an honest conversation too. It was like, look, you know, you're going to get more comfortable with you to do some things different too. You have to, your, your, your habits in this, in these areas have to change in terms of your practice habits. Um, And once he got that together, um, I think he started – Marcus and Kyrie were big on kind of integrating him in terms of getting him comfortable hanging out with the guys and building relationships. I remember him talking about that. So that probably got his confidence up in terms of how he fit in because he felt like he was part of the team at that point. Like he knows what he can do and he's going to, you know, he's going to do it when, when you need him to, you know, he's not trying to shoot 15 times a game. He's not trying Mm -hmm. to be a superstar, but he'll do what you need him to do. And he's happy with that. Yeah. And then there was the injury again. He heard it mid year against Marquette his first year after he was playing pretty well. I mean, if you look at his numbers going into that Marquette game and then look 
where he, he got hurt. The, the game Marcus Howard went for 54. He got hurt in that game. So you kind of scratched that one off because he got injured in that in game. And those numbers didn't reflect what, what a normal mm-hmm. game would be. And then you watch him after that, after he kind of feels right, which he didn't feel right the rest of the year. So he had the surgery. Um, he never really got back physically. And then right before the start of last season, he aggravated that injury again right before the season started. Because I think he was questionable going into the Michigan game. Okay, I think, yeah. he, I I think he ended up playing, but he was questionable. So he was still mm-hmm. banged up. And then against UTRGV, do I have that acronym right? I hope so. Oh my um, whatever that game was, uh, he heard it in that game too really early, like five or six minutes in and didn't play the rest of the way. That was the game that Mitch played the five. <laughs> I don't know if people remember that. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mitch played the five in that game because I think Christian got in foul trouble. So uh, he was hurt then too. And I don't think he felt right maybe until like that Arizona State game right before Christmas or that Marquette game to start league play. And yeah. then just look at his numbers from there. Look at his numbers right. from there all the way through this year. Right. He's been a stud, like an absolute all-conference, all-Big East team stud. Yeah, I agree with you. And, yeah, just being healthy. That's all it is for him is being healthy and being able to play how he can, you know. Because it helps your confidence too, right? If you feel right, sure. yes. you, can, you can act right out there, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know what it's like to have a have a game where you're not feeling good, and then all of a sudden, yeah, I'm feeling a little bit better today. Maybe I can get extra saucy with it and <laughs> you know, go off I mean, a bit. It definitely matters how you feel. That is for sure. How how you are physically. So mm-hmm. hopefully, they said they have a week off before yep. their next game. So hopefully, that gives Marcus time. Yeah, I think the uh, if people are waiting on what's going on, I guess the word is a hamstring injury, so that's like what the deal is. Uh, yeah. But it sounds like it's a minor one. Like he would maybe they just, you know, with that with the with the six days or seven days off, whatever they have here coming up. Um, yeah, they probably felt like all right, let's give him a break today, and then we'll extend. We'll give him some extended rest into this break we have coming up, and maybe he'll be right after that. So I think that it was more precautionary, maybe. Because right. um, I bet you, I bet you, if there was like a title on the line, they'd have to shoot Marcus to keep him from playing. Oh, so for sure, yeah, I was at the end of last year when he got hurt in that final game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was almost excited for him that stuff ended up being canceled and he wasn't going to try to rush that rehab to get back to play. Oh yeah, like, oh such a blessing to have you know that time. <laughs> Because he would have done something irresponsible, right? I know how he is. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. He would have done everything in his power, even if he was at 65% to play, you know? Right. right. That's what I mean. Like, that's you can relate to that probably better than most because if it was a big game, it's like this kid, you like walk, walking from like to and from the dorms and class, and it's like, she has a game tonight. Is she okay? Like, <laughs> And then all of a sudden you're suiting up and it's like, okay, well, whenever, whenever, I guess ball is life for players like that, right? It's a you, different type of adrenaline when there's a game going on. That's yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. That, that probably makes the best sense. But you, yeah, guys aren't, and you guys aren't insane people. You're just, it's adrenaline. Adrenaline. Yes. Okay. We'll go with that. Um, yeah. But even with a hamstring, you know, with coming out, I don't know which hamstring it is, but coming off the knee surgery, just, it's not something you want to mess around with or mm-hmm. those are kind of tricky injuries to begin with. For sure. Um, let's see. Let, let's talk about Ryan Kalkbender a little bit. Um, it's a change of 
like it's a different look for Creighton, right? To have a right. a pure shot blocker uh-huh. as opposed to just you know trying to pray to God at the rim, essentially. <laughs> um, what is what do you see? And from your experience of having you know a defensive stalwart in the post, like how does it change the way you defend as a guard? Do you feel like you can be a little more aggressive on the perimeter? Do you feel like you can definitely, yeah, funnel help certain directions if you know he's he's back there with you? Oh, for sure, yeah. Because even if they get by me, they're gonna have to deal with that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely nice. But he's done a great job on both ends, honestly. Rebounding everything, just seven footer, and to be as young as he is, and to understand and be where he's, he doesn't make. Like, he makes mistakes, but they're mistakes you live with, you know? Mm-hmm. What he brings to the table is way above that. So, he doesn't feel like – yeah, he doesn't feel like a freshman sometimes. I mean, sometimes he'll be out of position defensively, and you can kind of attribute that to um, maybe not being as comfortable with the scouting report because it's just a different – it's different to be mentally locked in as opposed to physically good. I think it's yeah. two different components. But it seems like he's got a pretty good balance going on right now because for a freshman, like, because he's in the right spot defensively. He doesn't get caught out of position chasing shot, chasing shots to block. Right. And then, you know, give himself a poor, like, easy dump offs at the rim where he's totally out of position. Um, and he also doesn't foul as much as a shot blocker normally does. Like, you'd mm-hmm. think he's just, if you got a crazy good shot blocker as a freshman, you think they go in there just swinging crazy and they live with whatever the results are. He yeah. seems to be able to time his ability to bl- like time shots better than a freshman normally would. And I think that's kind of scary because he's going to get better at that. Right. Yeah. I think he does a really good job of just trying like being in the right place. And if it's there, he'll go for it, but mm. not actively like seeking it out. If that makes sense. No, it so does. he stays in position and still is able to, like, he blocks a lot of shots, yeah. And he's able to move guys more than I think you would more imagine for a seven-foot skinny guy, right? Like, he looks like he can't – he doesn't take up a lot of space, and you could probably push him around a little bit. But then yeah. that ball goes up, and it comes off the rim, and, he's you know, there. all of a sudden he's got – he's creating space, and he's got the ball in his hands. Like, he's mm-hmm. not a pushover down there. Yeah, and you see it, like, with him, I've noticed it, is it's – you see the game-by-game improvement. Mm-hmm. Like it's already, I don't know how many games are into the season, but he yeah, already this was, this was really 12. seemed like a freshman. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this was game 12, and I think he's, you know, you can see his minutes are going up and up and up yeah. as the coaching staff mm-hmm. is trusting him on the floor more. Yeah. You know, it's not just a thing about his skill. It's about can the coaches trust him to be in the right spots, to not commit stupid fouls, um, mm-hmm. and affect the game in a positive way more than – more than you're making mistakes. Right. So that's like always the, the, the fine line for coaches. Right. You know, sometimes they have a tighter leash on younger players because they don't fully trust them in every situation. It yeah. feels like yeah. with these last two games, you're starting to see the coaching staff trust Ryan mm-hmm. a little bit more because they're putting him on the floor just as that main second big every single time. They're not even, they haven't tried to really extend Christian too much. Because yeah. I think they're trusting Ryan more. I think they understand that there's some interchangeability here with Christian and Ryan, that they both bring strengths to the floor, and it's more than they bring weaknesses. Definitely, yeah. And like you said, the coaching staff is getting rewarded because of how he's playing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, what do you end up with? Nine and six today? Yeah, he was the one major minutes guy that didn't finish in double figures, but he had nine points, uh, six boards, three of those were offensive. Mm-hmm. And, and then he had two assists, no turnovers, and four and block shots. In 22 minutes. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, like, I think he had the highest plus minus on the team. It looks like it's like he was plus 18 him and Alice were the highest plus minus on the, on the squad. How many blocks does it say he had? Uh, it says four. Um, I feel like they yeah. knocked off a couple because it felt like he had more. Yeah. ESPN says he had five. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. But either mm. way, that's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of shots you're changing right there, especially when mm-hmm. St. John's was going inside a lot. I think, you know, they had 14 offensive boards, but they only had, where are we at? 12 second chance points. So once again, that's another game where Creighton gives up double-digit offensive boards, right? But they hold mm-hmm. their they hold the opponent to below one point per possession on the second chance opportunities. I mean, that's not yeah, easy. you don't see that very much. <laughs> I know, right? It feels like that's what they're designed to do at this point because they keep doing it. Usually, when you yeah. give, up, give up like a twelve spot offensive rebound wise, there's a chance you're mm-hmm. going to give up like twenty to twenty five second chance points, but. Creighton yeah. is really good at putting their defense together after, you know, on those second chance opportunities. It's crazy because this is another game where they held them below a point. Good area to be good at, but I'm not sure it's an area you would rather just not have to play that. <laughs> you rather grab the rebounds, what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't so live, I'm don't, sure don't. Max taught him about that. Mm-hmm. Let's not play with fire as much if we don't have to. How about that? Right. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty funny. Um, yeah, you know, another guy, the other guy we haven't talked about yet, the quiet 24 from Denzel. Denzel. <laughs> he led, yeah, he led the team in scoring by a pretty considerable margin, eight more than Alex. So he finished with 24. You know what I thought was especially good from him was he kind of closed this game today. He um, did, yeah. Like, you know, say, it felt like Creighton was operating at a ridiculous level. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. here's St. John's right there. They're a runaway, essentially, right? And you know right. that they're always capable of it with their ability to create turnovers. So you're kind of like a little bit worried when you saw Creighton get a little tired. And you're like, yeah. okay. Yeah, and it was right around, what, seven-minute mark, I want to say? Yeah, that's when it felt like it for me, too. Yeah. And they got it They got it down to, I think it was 11. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, no. And from that point on, I don't know how many Denzel had from that point on, but it felt like every time they needed a bucket or to keep it double digits – he got it. So yeah, and it happened in a variety of ways too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he got to the free throw line. He hit a mid range jumper. He hit a corner three. Um, he might have hit one on the wing too. A three kick out, kick out three from DJ, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so yeah, the ability to have a guy who has a scoring punch from basically different levels of the court, right? So you have to account yeah. for him all over the place. Yeah, um, shot eleven threes. Yeah, I know. Does it feel like he shot like 11 threes? Yeah. yeah. And got to, yeah, six free throws. That's also, they didn't shoot a ton of free throws today, but he had about half of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I know that balance is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was, I thought he was big in, in moments where they needed a bucket. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, and then Sharif coming at the end, like he comes in, shoots that jumper and uh, lands on uh, Posh Alexander's foot and like kind of rolls his ankle a little bit. And then scrapes the ball out while he's on the floor. Like he just keeps yeah. fighting for it. And then he 
throws it over like a six foot six dude to get to Denzel in the corner for a three that pretty much sealed it. Honestly, it was a it was a thirteen right. point game yeah. at that point, and then that oh, made it sixteen. Like that was crazy. The most Sharif play. It seriously was. <laughs> Just kind of epitomizes what he's about. You know, he he plays hard. Mm-hmm. He plays like hard play, and that, he makes stuff happen. That play just personified his whole basketball skill set right there. It was like, <laughs> he's just a pest. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm anything. I, have all of this and still, this is without your All-American. Yeah, that's what the crazy part is. I think that, you know, I don't, I don't know what your read was on it. Like, I would get a lot of questions about, you know, what's wrong with Marcus? What's wrong with the offense? Why won't Mitch shoot more? All that kind of thing. Because they were winning some grinders there for a sec, right? Right. You know, they, they beat UConn in a grinder, Xavier in a grinder, Providence in a grinder. Um, and the one shootout they lost, their best offensive game maybe of the yeah. of the, of the of the of Big East play, you could argue, is their one loss in the seven games, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, well, I don't know what your read was on it, watching that whole stretch where they kind of got a little bit uh, – beat up before Christmas it just felt like it was a grind of a schedule six games and I think yeah just over two weeks right so I mean that's tough to kind of get through at some point you know what's that they don't they don't have any easy games you know everyone can play especially in Big East play you have to come every night and so I think being able to win those grinder games are gonna is very important because you're not gonna blow everybody out Um, So finding ways to win is big, but then I also think it was them kind of figuring out who they were and how to play together. And, you know, when you have an off season, like they probably did with COVID and stuff being limited, you know, you, that's, that's hard for teams. And there's a lot of teams who are behind where Creighton is just trying to figure out how to play together. Mm -hmm. And so today I thought was a big step forward um, because you saw that you saw them play together. You saw them feed off each other, play to each other's strengths and, yeah, so. Yeah, it was, it, it's interesting because, um, you know, there, a lot was still expected out of this group, even though they lost Tyshawn and, and Kelvin mm-hmm. um, and a locker room guy and my boy Jordan. Uh, <laughs> like, so it you, you probably thought on paper, all right, they have enough um, punch still to be really, really good and make up for these losses. But right. it is like you're saying, though, the continuity is built through repetition. Right. And, and you have Marcus coming off surgery mm-hmm. and you have all of these other guys like their roles change. Like Tyshawn was a big part of their team last year. And those other guys had meaningful contributions as well. So there's still different roles. Yeah. And that only comes with time. Right. Like you can't you can simulate it as much as you want in practice. But if you're not getting the practice reps with the game reps, it doesn't really click right away yeah. does it like it takes it yeah. takes all that coming together for it to click right games are just different like can look great in practice going against each other you know and then throw someone else or throw a different type of defense at it and sometimes you get exposed so it's just mm-hmm. kind of all part of growing and learning yeah it's great i mean scoring 97 against st john's wouldn't probably be as impressive because they did score 94 on him in the first game but it's without Marcus. So you have 97 without Marcus, and then you have 89 the previous game against Seton Hall. Mm-hmm. You know, that's going into the break, I think this little mini break they're having here, I think they uh, they got a lot of mojo going offensively after probably being questioned about it a little bit, maybe too much in the yeah. last few weeks, like before Christmas. 
Like what's wrong with the offense? Why isn't it clicking yet? Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like that those questions are off the table at this point. Cause what they and did, what they did the other night against Seton hall was absurd. And yeah, then was there was probably, it was, yeah, it was probably hard to match that, mm-hmm. but they kind of almost exceeded it because they did this without Marcus, right? Like, yeah, I agree. Definitely. And I think they already have, people have a very, very high standard for Creighton offense because yeah. of what they do year after year. So if this is any other team in the country, they're probably not being questioned as much as it's Creighton. Why aren't we scoring 85 a game? <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's fair. Uh, do you know how to, do you have any personal experience from managing that? Do you remember a team that you guys played on that had a lot of expectations, maybe outside? I know you guys always had high expectations within yourselves. Like mm-hmm. you probably felt like you'd go to the NCAA tournament all every year of your career, I think. Right. Um, but did you ever feel like the pressure uh, got to you in, in negative ways from the outside? If you hit a, hit a stretch where you lost a couple or maybe lost one that you shouldn't have, yeah um and then kind of felt like it it it, uh it mentally got to you a little bit from the outside pressure definitely yeah I mean a number of times throughout the years like one of the big things we would always talk about is like never get too high never get too low like Mm. there's no such thing as a season going a full season going great you know there's always those tough spots those rough patches where you kind of question you just kind of have to that's why it's important to have that identity and to know what your identity is and get back to that or find that. Um, we had stretched it. Like, I think, especially coming off, like when we upset Iowa in the NCAA tournament that year. Mm-hmm. So we had pretty high expectations, you know, we're growing, we've been in the NCAA tournament two the last three years, I think it was. And, um, I mean, obviously we lost that senior, that big senior class, but we still, yeah. you know, um, and we had Audrey and Jalen back yeah. and everything like that. Yeah. You guys. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's probably the one that comes to mind and it is hard, especially when you have a lot of um, hype coming in off a of preseason mm-hmm. um, and you get off to a tough start. It's hard to kind of recover from that because it kind of shakes the confidence a, bit, a little bit. Oh, for and, sure. Yeah. So I don't know. I think kind of just when you can get to the point of the season where it's no longer, you're no longer talking about preseason stuff and you can just focus on the progress within the season, um, which I feel like kind of where Creighton's at right now. Um, They can look to where they were a few weeks ago and see that improvement. I think that's really important and that's how you really grow. And is that the key to staying in that sweet spot of not too high, not too low, or is there something, is there a different variable that goes into doing that from a game to game basis? Like, do you just focus on, all right, tomorrow's practice. Here's our, basically our itinerary. Here's what we want to get better at individually. Here's what we want to get better as a, as a group. And here's what we want to focus on in terms of our next opponent. Like, is it, is it like that from a day-to-day basis or is it like you just said, like where you get separated enough from the preseason expectations that you can kind of just play at that point? I think it's kind of both. Um, Like, obviously you want to see that improvement, from the beginning to the end, but you also want to see that game by game, being able to adjust how you play a little bit based on what's needed for that game and who you're playing. Mm-hmm. I think Marcus has done a really good job. I know he had it, he had it tough with all of the expectations for himself personally, mm-hmm. for the team, 
and then also coming off a knee surgery like that was an extremely difficult situation for him to be in and he's done a great job of just helping the team win finding ways to help you know if he's not I know there are a few games where he didn't shoot as well as he would have liked it or whatever but just having that perspective of it's not about any of the accolades it's not about the preseason it's about winning it's about the team yeah no I think I I think I asked Jalen this too when they after the Xavier game like how do you um how do you deal with something that's bothering you physically or maybe you don't even feel quite right you know maybe there's not even like a a current injury but you're just not quite right because there's a ripple effect from that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So how do you fight your, your expectations for yourself? That Mm -hmm. competitive drive, right. That can sometimes um, drive you insane if you don't channel it properly. Uh, Like, and also, but you know, how do you like make yourself understand like, look, it's not going to look how I want it to look right away as consistently as I want it because I'm coming back from this physically and it takes time. Um, How do you deal with that? Um, I mean, it's tough, but I think a lot of it comes down to support system and people around you, um, Mm. which teammates are huge in that is just keeping that bigger perspective. It's not going to be perfect. It's, it's, you know, you do what you can, but we're human. Um, I think it's that. And then I think it also comes from just knowing you do everything you can in terms of preparation, being in the gym when you can, if it's an injury, you know, maybe it's watching more film, maybe it's doing some other stuff. Maybe it's, you find other ways to contribute in terms of mentoring younger kids or, you know, helping teammates, but it's just kind of not focusing on it and finding ways around it. I would say. Is there a point when you get a little bit, uh, do you get comfortable with it at all? When when do you feel like it hits you that you're like okay I'm I'm good I'm back does it does it does it take a game where you where everything felt right or does it happen gradually and then you just feel right before it clicks in the game like does it does it is it just different Yeah I think it can be it's probably different for everyone um, okay. I think there are definitely games where it's just it feels good <laughs> Yeah you get into a flow you get going and it's just fun you you know it's back to just enjoying the game we all love, you know? You probably don't want games to end when they're going like that, right? Is that true? Like when <laughs> when you're when you're on a roll like that, you probably don't want it to end. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, very fair. Just feel like, let's see how many I can get here. Let's see how much time I have left. Um depends if we're winning. That's we're true. Winning. That's true. And yeah. whatever. If it's a close game, you're probably like, let's just get to zeros with the lead, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's uh let's jump into questions here. I think we only got a couple, but there were a few throughout the game. Um, okay, so I don't know how you are with nicknames. Um, Liv's kind of like an easy one since it's part of your first name, but right. did you have any nicknames other than Liv? Microwave, Bucket, besides those kind oh of things? Uh, you'll have to <laughs> ask Carly Tritz that question. She had a new nickname every day. That's You know what? That's a really good point. Carly's probably got like a book of everybody's nicknames that she comes she up really with. She really does, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, well, like one we got, I got in, in game was, uh, can we start calling Ryan Kalkbenner McDunkets? <laughs> or or McBlock, McBlocksit? I don't know how those, I don't, that doesn't quite work, right? 
Yeah, I don't know. Why is the nick? Why is the nick in there? I guess is my question. Um, because part of we always automatically (laughs) think a dog. (laughs) (laughs) We just gotta throw the MC in there because. Okay, I don't know that. It's not part of his name, so I don't really like either of those. Do you? Nah, I think we can do better. We'll have to keep working on it. Yeah, it has to come like it has to. It's not something you can like workshop. You just gotta like know it when it's there. Yeah. But I think I don't think either of those are it. I'm pretty confident they're not. Yeah. You're not feeling either of them either. I'm really not. No. Okay. I, okay. I think yeah. we can throw it out there, maybe, but uh, we can do better. Yeah, we can do better. Let's let's scrap those for now. Um. Okay, PA guy Lance. Uh, you know Lance Raby. Yep. Um. Well, we just we just kind of talked about this, but uh, his question is. I'd love to hear Liv's perspective on rehabbing an injury and just exactly how long it takes to feel comfortable after getting cleared. Um, she's endured compound injuries like Marcus is apparently now experiencing. So um, we did kind of just talk about it a little bit, maybe, um, maybe focus on the compound injury part, right? Cause yeah. if the knee was, you know, coming back from last year um, maybe the hamstring, depending on what leg it is, might've been an overcompensation type of injury. Right. Yeah. So how do you, how do you combat that? How do you make sure uh, your movements are all sharp and honest for your body? So you're not injuring something else while you're trying to overcompensate for the other thing. Right. I think people kind of underestimate some of the struggles of coming back from surgeries because, you know, especially when you're on crutches for a few weeks, it's a lot of it comes down to mechanics and getting those mechanics right and how they were before. Mm -hmm. It takes some time. And even when you do that, it's, then it's like, you're not just asking someone to run normally. You're asking someone to be an all American, you know, those are very, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, the ceiling's higher there. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I think, especially in Mark's situation with it being a hamstring, you kind of have to be careful with it because of the compensation uh, hamstring and quads are like two of the biggest components to knee injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, so just strengthening those. And then, I know with our trainer, Steph, um, when I was coming back from the knee surgeries, um, she actually wanted film from before I was injured to make sure that my mechanics hadn't switched too much in terms mm, of Okay. She would actually look at that to make sure that there wasn't competition happening. Gotcha. Yeah, especially if you hurt a hammy, that's like, <laughs> if you really hurt a hammy, that's tough because those things linger a long time. Yeah it really almost is hard to shake those in season, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll just hope that Marcus is, uh, yeah. Prayers his injury, for yeah. His injury is minor and that this break doesn't pretty good. Um, so he yeah. can get back on the floor and, and not just get back on the floor, but get back on the floor feeling good where he's not like, Definitely. like they've talked about compromising other in like other, um, physical parts of his body. Um, Oh, and then your, your girl Jalen chimed in. Um, by the way, prayers up to Jalen, uh, torn ACL. So she's uh, uh, living that rehab life now, um, post-surgery. She'll kill it. Yeah, she'll kill it. She will. Um, she has Allie and I as resources. She's good. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. She has some good friends in terms of knee and knee issues. Oh, yeah. She'll come back even better. Yeah, prayers up to Jalen for that. That was uh, She posted that yesterday, I think. So her question, she has a few questions here for you. Um, (laughs) I feel like she could have just texted you maybe, but let's, let's, let's knock them out. Um, It's not like we don't talk every day. 
Okay, so uh, who do you think uh, really stepped up to the plate today with in Marcus's absence? So, like, it's pretty tough because there's basically anyone you can choose from, right. and you'll be right. So just pick one. Like, we'll each we'll each kind of pick one. Who was the key? Um, I'm choosing Mitch. I think Mitch okay. is so underappreciated. Everything he does. Yeah, uh, that's that that puts me in a tough spot because I think I was going to choose Mitch. Um, <laughs> I mean, but for a lot of the reasons you said, though, it's just he was clearly more aggressive in hunting his shot, so that made him a threat, right? And yeah. then we talked about his playmaking ability. He's um, also the one who got Alex going with that. Yep. He passed up a three after he just hit two to give Alex that first one, I think it was. Especially yeah, because I think he, he passed up a good look. Like, mm-hmm. He shot faked. He probably couldn't listen. Mitch can probably shoot over anybody. So, and it's a good shot. Right. So that's the other part of it too. Like Mitch can shoot while he's contested and probably still knock him down. If that DePaul game uh, two years ago is any indication, most shots are good shots for Mitch if he shoots them. So he shot faked. He got his defender in the air. Then he did that dribble sidestep and he was open. He probably Mm -hmm. could have launched it and it would have been, it would have been a great look, but he's like, hold up. Let me get Alex's defender over here real quick. Uh-huh. And it got Alex going. You're absolutely right. Like that's a perfect example of how that Yeah. So if we're talking, yeah, no, I agree with I agree with you then. I'm not even picking one. If we're talking about Alex being the difference in the game, Mitch getting it going, get, getting him going with that unselfish play where he could have shot it but didn't, um, was probably the reason, you know, that game went the way it did. So yeah, I'll, I'm with Liv. I'm choosing Mitch too. Yes. Um Oh boy. Her second question is, do you have any fond memories of playing St. John's? Um, I know exactly what is she is referring to. Oh boy, you do. Okay, good. Story time. Um, I don't know if the story is even like allowed on this podcast. Well, um, see the thing with the podcast is it's like alcohol friendly podcast. So most um, stories are allowed actually. Um, I think we all remember us losing at St. John's and Chevy ripping us. Like Chevy is not one to really come at you, you know, like she keeps, she's pretty even keeled, you know, but man, after the game, she went after us. Which, which, what game is this? What year is this? uh, This was, I think my redshirt sophomore year. I think Audrey was a junior. Okay. So Sydney and everybody's senior year then, right before you guys, the year you guys, do you because guys Iowa? was still there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so I think it was, I think it was that year and man, <laughs> it was, it, it was so bad that like we all sat there after and we kind of had to laugh at how like the, after she had left, like when it was happening, we're all like, well, like we really do need to get our life together here. Like <laughs> if she's coming after us. Because she's not normally the one to, to no. chide you after a game. So if it right. happened, yeah. it, it was really So when she, when she comes after you, you know, you kind of got to be a little reflective. And um, so after that happened is there may have been some sort of acronym from what she was saying to us that really stuck with us the whole rest of the year to make sure that we played hard and that teams did not out-tough us. Okay. Can you say the acronym? Um. um no (laughs) no (laughs) no okay up to your imaginations everybody listening yes um (laughs) i want to go back and watch that game and i want to see what made chevy so irate that's awesome oh yeah that was a that was a highlight um 
Okay, and then her last one, her last part of it is uh, Mitch's last shot. So the dagger from the logo, basically. Right. Uh, she needs some commentary on that from you. He almost has like that um, Steph Curry in him where it's like the further behind the line he is, the more likely it is to go in. I swear, I think I said this earlier this year. I think he shoots a higher percentage the further back he moves. Yeah. And <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> His shot making is incredible. It really is. I think you know what's funny is like I have a cup I have a clip of him doing warm-ups last year. Uh-huh. And uh because I used to post those slow-mos of just like someone making a shot and then that would be my game day tweet or whatever. Um, yeah. So I was watching I did a slow-mo of DJ like hitting a three. And if uh-huh. you watch in the background of it, Mitch is like falling on his ass. Okay. In the corner, he's just messing around. Like yeah. He's not taking a serious game shot and he just throws the thing up to the ceiling. Basically. I mean, oh. it leaves the camera and then it just comes straight down through the hoop, like barely tickles the net. It's just like, uh-huh. what in the hell, man? Like, how are you? Steph capable? Curry. Yeah. It's insane. It is. He even hit he even hit one like that today against St. John's. That didn't count. It was right before it was like a dead ball, and he just heaves exactly it up. What you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, are you kidding? Yeah, he just cashed it. He's like, what the heck, dude? Like, seriously. Must be nice. Must be nice. It must be nice to be that good at something where you can do it casually yeah. and make it look awesome. <laughs> yeah, I love the dagger though because he actually like set some. He let it set his defender up. Like he had like three or four crossover dribbles and yeah. kind of lull, you know, rocked him to sleep and. And, and bang. Then if you're a defender, there's no way you think he's actually going to shoot from that distance, right? No, like, like who pulls up from the logo like that? Yeah, that's that was like, yeah, that was insane. Yeah. So yeah, that was a good that was a that was the logo dagger to end it. Um, yeah, that's basically all we got for questions, and that's our analysis. So um, that was fun. Yeah, I had a lot Thanks. of fun. We definitely got to have you back on sometime down the line. Um. So, yeah, in the meantime, I guess everybody uh, – sorry, I got lost focus there for a second. Uh, Whiteandbluereview.com, uh, you can find this podcast there. We'll have it posted up pretty soon today. Um, it'll be on iTunes, uh, so subscribe to there if you already are – if you ha- aren't already and you'll get it right away when, it, when it's posted. Um, then we'll have some post-game write-ups and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know, Liv, you want to leave with the folks with something? or What are you up to these days? Uh I don't know if you feel like telling everybody that, but in the real world now. Yeah. Working. How's are you staying safe, keeping keeping safe and everything? Yeah, yeah. We actually work in office still. So um cool. we have a small office. I work with two financial advisors and definitely a change up from the college life, but going well. Cool, cool. Well, I appreciate you uh hopping on and let me pick your brain a little bit about this game. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Cool. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Stay safe. Stay healthy. Bye. Take care, everybody.